Hey y'all, welcome back as we finish up on our journey through Ezekiel today and we are on chapter 46. We're still talking about the new millennial temple that is yet to come. In verse 1, it says, this is what the sovereign Lord says, the east gateway of the inner courtyard will be closed during the six workdays each week, but it will open on Sabbath days and the days of the new moon celebrations. The prince will enter the room from the gateway from the outside. Then he will stand by the gatepost while the priest offers his burnt offerings and peace offerings. He will bow down and worship inside the gateway passage and then go back out the way he came. The gateway will not be closed until evening. The common people will bow down and worship the Lord in front of this gateway on Sabbath days and the days of the new moon celebrations. Each Sabbath day, the prince will present to the Lord a burnt offering of six lambs and one ram with no defects. He will present a grain offering of a basket of choice flour to go with the ram what, and whatever amount of flour he chooses to go with each lamb. And he is to offer one gallon of olive oil for each basket of flour. At the new moon celebrations, he will bring one young bull, six lambs and one ram with no defects. With the young bull, he must bring a basket of choice flour for a grain offering. With the ram, he must bring another basket of flour. And with each lamb, he is to bring whatever amount of flour he chooses to give. With each basket of flour, he must offer one gallon of olive oil. The prince must enter the gateway through the entry room, and he must leave the same way. But when the people come in through the north gateway to worship the Lord during the religious festivals, they must leave by the south gateway. And those who enter through the south gateway must leave by the north gateway. They must never leave by the same gateway they came in, but must always use the opposite gateway. The prince will enter and leave with the people on these occasions. So at the special feasts and sacred festivals, the grain offering will be a basket of choice flour with each young bull, another basket of flour with each ram, and as much flour as the worshiper chooses to give with each lamb. Give one gallon of olive oil with each basket of flour. When the prince offers a voluntary burnt offering or peace offering to the Lord, the east gateway to the inner courtyard will be open for him. He will offer his sacrifices as he does on Sabbath days. Then he will leave and the gateway will be shut behind him. Each morning you must sacrifice a one-year-old lamb with no defects as a burnt offering to the Lord. With the lamb, a grain offering must also be given to the Lord, about three quarts of flour with a third of a gallon of olive oil to moisten the choice flour. And this will be a permanent law for you. The lamb, the grain offering, and the olive oil must be given as a daily sacrifice every morning without fail. This is what the Sovereign Lord says. If the prince gives a gift of land to one of his sons as his inheritance, it will belong to him and his descendants forever. But if the prince gives a gift of land from his inheritance to one of his servants, the servant may keep it only until the year of Jubilee, which comes every 50th year. At that time, the land will return to the prince. But when the prince gives to his sons, those gifts will be permanent, and the prince may never take anyone's property by force. If he gives property to his sons, it must be from his own land. For I do not want any of my people unjustly evicted from their property. In my vision, the man brought me through the entrance beside the gateway and led me to the sacred rooms aside to the priests, which faced toward the north. 
He showed me a place at the extreme west end of these rooms, and he explained, This is where the priests will cook the meat from the guilt offerings and sin offerings and bake the flour from the grain offerings into the bread. They will do it here to avoid carrying the sacrifices through the outer courtyard and endangering the people by transmitting holiness to them. Then he brought me back to the outer courtyard and let me and led me to each of its four corners. In each corner I saw an enclosure. Each of these enclosures was 70 feet long, 52 and a half feet wide, surrounded by walls. Along the inside of these walls was a ledge of stone with fireplaces under the ledge all the way around. And the man said to me, these are the kitchens to be used by the temple assistants to boil the sacrifices offered by the people. In my vision, the man brought me back to the entrance of the temple, and there I saw a flowing stream east from beneath the door of the temple and passing to the right of the altar on the south side. The man brought me outside the wall through the north gateway and led me around to the eastern entrance. There I could see the water flowing out through the side of the east gateway. Measuring as he went, he took me along the stream for 1,750 feet and then led me across. The water was up to my ankles. He measured another 1,750 feet and led me across again, and this time the water was up to my knees. Another 1,750 feet, it was up to my waist. And then when he measured another 1,750 feet, the river was so deep to walk across that it was deep enough to swim in. You could no longer walk across it. It was too deep to walk through it. And I'm going to pause there because this is a a symbolic picture of the living water. And the ankles is, is the new walk, the new walk of the believer. You're up to your ankles with God. And in your knees, you're, you're, you're praying. You're bending down on knee, your knees and you're, you're praying and, and spending time in fellowship with God. And waste is your service. You, you gird up your water. You gird up your loins and, and the water reaches your waist as you desire to serve God in his kingdom. And then it's deep enough to swim in. You can no longer even walk in it. And that's when you truly experience the fullness of the Lord and walking out the living water and experiencing God in abundance. And what's really cool about this river is it comes from the temple to heal the land. It comes out of the temple. In verse 6, he asked me, Have you been watching, son of man? And then he led me back along the river bank. And when I returned, I was surprised by the sight of many trees growing on both sides of the river. Then he said to me, This river flows east through the desert into the valley of the Dead Sea. The waters of this stream will make the salty waters of the Dead Sea fresh and pure. There will be swarms of living things wherever the water of this river flows. Fish will abound in the Dead Sea, for its waters will become fresh. Life will flourish wherever this water flows, so the Dead Sea will come to life. Fishermen will stand along the shores of the Dead Sea and all the way from Engadi to Engleam. The shores will be covered with nets drying in the sun. Fish of every kind will fill the Dead Sea just as they fill the Mediterranean. But the marshes and swamps will not be purified because they will still be salty. So there's still going to be a source of salt. Fruit trees of all kinds will grow along both sides of the river. The leaves of these trees will never turn brown and fall, and there will always be fruit on the branches. Oh, I can't wait. There will be a new crop every month, for they are watered by the river flowing from the temple. The fruit will be for food and the leaves for healing. 
This is what the Sovereign Lord says. Divide the land in this way for the twelve tribes of Israel. The descendants of Joseph will be given two shares of land. Otherwise, each tribe will receive an equal share. I took a solemn oath and swore that I would give this land to your ancestors, and it will now come to you as your possession. These are the boundaries of the land. The northern border will run from the Mediterranean towards the Hethlon, then on through Lebo Hamath to Zadad, and then it will run from Berathah to Sibraim, which are on the border between Damascus and Hamath, and finally to Hazar Hadakon on the border of Haran. So the northern border will run from the Mediterranean to the Hazaranon, on the border between the Hamath to the north and Damascus to the south. The eastern border starts at a point between Haran and Damascus and runs along south to the Jordan River between Israel and Gilead, past the Dead Sea, and as far south as Tamar. This will be the eastern border. The southern border will go west from Tamar to the waters of Meribah at Kadesh, and then follow the course of the brook of the Egypt or the brook of Egypt to the Mediterranean. This will be the southern border. On the west side, the Mediterranean itself will be your border from the southern border to the point where the northern border begins, opposite of Lebo Hamath. Divide the land within these boundaries among the tribes of Israel. Distribute the land as an allotment for yourself and for the foreigners who have joined you and are raising their families among you. They will be like native-born Israelites to you, and you will receive an allotment among the tribes. These foreigners are given are to be given land within the territory of the tribe with whom they now live. I, the Sovereign Lord, have spoken." So this is another reason why I think the land of of Israel won't be fully given to Israel until Jesus returns, because they're not doing what God asked them to do as their end of the covenant of the covenant to join into the covenant promise of receiving the land. And until they come to full repentance and accept Jesus as their Lord and Savior, they won't. And therefore, the land is going to be promised to them. It is promised to them. It is going to be theirs because God is honest and he will fulfill his promise and he is true. But I I don't know that it's going to happen before Jesus returns. Um, That's just me thinking that um, in this scripture, really, it kind of drives that thought home for me. Um, In verse 1 of chapter 48, here is the list of tribes of Israel and the territory each is to receive. The territory of Dan is in the extreme north. Its boundary line follows the Hethlon Road to Lebo Hamath and then runs on to Hazar Anon on the border of Damascus. With Hamath to the north, Dan's territory extends all the way across the land of Israel from the east to the west. Asher's territory lies south of Dan's and also extends from the east to the west. And Naphtali's land lies south of Asher's and it also extends from the east to the west. Then comes Manasseh, south of Naphtali, and its territory also extends from east to west. South of Manasseh is Ephraim, and then Reuben, and then Judah, all of whose boundaries extend east to west. South of Judah is a land set aside for a special purpose, and it will be eight and a third miles wide, and will extend as far east and west as the tribal territories, and this will be the land that's set aside for God, and the temple is at the center of this land. The area set aside for the Lord's temple will be eight and a half, or I'm sorry, eight and one third miles long and six and two thirds miles wide. For the priests, there will be a strip of land measuring eight and a third miles long by three and a third miles wide. 
with the Lord's temple at the center. This area as is set aside for the ordained priests, the descendants of Zadok, who served me faithfully and did not go astray with the people of Israel and the rest of the Levites. It will be their special portion, portion when the land is distributed, the most sacred land of all. Next to the priest's territory will lie the land where the other Levites live. The land allotted to the Levites will be the same size and shape that belongs to the priests, eight and one-third miles long and three and one-third miles wide. Together, these portions of land measure eight and one-third miles long by six and two-thirds mile wide. None of this special land may ever be sold or traded or used by others, for it belongs to the Lord and it is set apart as holy. An additional strip of land, eight and one-third miles long by one and two-thirds miles wide, south of the sacred temple area will be allotted for public use. Homes, pasture lands, and common lands with a city at the center. The city will measure one and one-half miles on each side, north, south, east, and west. Open lands will surround the city for 150 yards in every direction. Outside the city, there will be a farming area that stretches three and one-third miles to the east and three and one-third miles to the west, along the border of the sacred area. This farmland will produce food for the people working in the city. Those who come from the various tribes to work in the city may farm it. This entire area, including the sacred lands and the city, is a square that measures eight and one-third miles on each side. The areas that remain to the east and to the west of the sacred lands and the city will belong to the prince. Each of these areas will be eight and one-third miles wide, extending in opposite directions to the eastern and western borders of Israel, with the sacred lands and the sanctuary of the temple in the center. So the prince's land will include everything between the territories allotted to Judah and Benjamin, except for the area set aside for the sacred lands and the city. These are the territories allotted to the rest of the tribes. Benjamin's territory lies just south of the prince's land, and it extends across the entire land of Israel from east to west. South of Benjamin's territory lies that of Simeon, also extending across the land from east to west. Next is the territory of Issachar, with the same eastern and western boundaries. Then comes the territory for Zebulun, which also extends across the land from east to west. The territory of Gad is just south of Zebulun, with the same border to the east and west. And the southern border of Gad runs from Tamar to the waters of Meribah at Kadesh, and then follows the brook of Egypt to the Mediterranean. These are the allotments that we be, will be set aside for each tribe's exclusive possession. I, the sovereign Lord, have spoken. This will be their land. God promised it, and God is faithful, and his promises come true. These will be, I'm going to continue in verse 30. These will be the exits to the city. On the north wall, which is one and a half miles long, there will be three gates, each one named after a tribe of Israel. The first will be named for Reuben, the second for Judah, the third for Levi. On the east wall, also one and a half miles long, the gates will be named for Joseph, Benjamin, and Dan. The south wall, also measures one and a half miles long, will have gates for Simeon, Issachar, and Zebulun. And on the west wall, also one and a half miles long, will be the gates for Gad, Asher, and Naphtali. The distance around the entire city will be six miles, and from there... From that day, the name of the city will be the Lord is there, which is Jehovah Shammah. The Lord is there. And it's going to be amazing. And it's really interesting that, well, first of all, they're going to get their land. It's just 
I, I think it's going to happen after Jesus returns for several reasons, many of which are laid out right in scripture. And the other is we can't get past our sinful selves and, and do it God's way. And the, the tribe of Dan is present in this 1000 year reign of Christ during the millennial period. And, but the tribe of Dan is absent from the tribulation that is spoken of in Revelation 7, 4 through 8. They, they're not in the tribulation, but they are in the millennium. And the millennium period is a preparation for a new state of life, a preparation for eternity, a preparation for, for cleansing and sanctification and reunification and the glorious rebuilding of God's kingdom. And his kingdom is eternal and his kingdom is not going to ever end. And it's, it's not the rebuilding of his kingdom. It's the rebuilding of us and cleansing us for his kingdom, coming back to God and, and really knowing God and, understanding his ways and spending time with him and building that relationship with him and falling more and more and more in love with him. I mean, he makes a river that comes right from the temple, the river of life that brings life to death. How amazing is our God? And God is going to fulfill his promises to his people in this millennium kingdom. Promises that can't be fulfilled right now because of their rebellion and unbelief. And they're going to get their land, but it's going to not be fulfilled until this time. And in his grace and mercy, God gives Israel this land, the perfect law and the glorious Lord Jesus. And they they disobeyed the law and, and defiled the land, but God is going to keep pursuing them. And he calls him, he calls people, he calls all of us, every single person to repentance. And during this time, people of Israel will turn. They will repent and they will trust God. They'll obey his word. They'll realize he is God and they're going to worship in his temple as they should. And they're going to bring delight to the Lord in, in, in rule and serve and worship. And there's going to be a cleansing period. And this period is going to be amazing. They're going to, they're going to finally be able to possess and enjoy their land and Jesus will be present. And he was rejected the first time they, he was crucified, but this time he's going to be received. The faithful remnant that chooses Jesus will be able to experience his glory, his promise, and the land that was promised them. And we're called to honor God's name and magnify his glory in our lives. And when we choose Jesus, we are grafted into the kingdom of God, and we are a part of this kingdom. And we are forgiven, we are redeemed, and we are seen as righteous before God. And his will is going to be done on earth as it is in heaven. And God is still on the throne today. And Jesus has all authority on heaven and in heaven and on earth. He is all authoritative. He is our king. He is our priest. He is our savior. He is our Messiah. And he is present in this time and every single moment of our lives. We can trust him. We can lean on him. We can love him. And we can know, even if things don't make sense, that he 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 does. And he has us in his arms. And we can trust him and let him show us his love and, and continue to fall more and more in love with him as we continue through the scriptures. And that concludes the book of Ezekiel. And we are going to continue into Jeremiah next. I hope you're all having a great day.